Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And we killed sex. We killed it. Could you believe that now the perception of men is that men are hormonally driven uh, animals who can't control themselves, who don't know how to respect women? That's bad for men, obviously, and it's bad for women as well for, for them to have this perception. So my argument about marriage and returning to this safe place is not to sanitize sex. It's actually to liberate sex. everyone, I'm Dr. Oz, and this is the Dr. Oz Podcast. She is one of the most famous former Playboy Playmates in the world. And her playmates are pretty famous, but this one's the top. And he's a renowned rabbi and spiritual expert. Today, they are both here, believe it or not, to talk about, well, everyone must have guessed it by now, sex. And Pamela Anderson and Rabbi Shmuley Botea teaming up. Unbelievable. Thank you both for being here. So, Shmuley, I, I must admit, uh, as you sat down and you literally doused your coffee with cream, I wondered about all the conversations we've had. And I'm wondering, do you even listen to what I say when I point out health issues? I've always believed in rebellion. I've always believed in being the bad boy. And if I listened to you too much, I would uh, sanitize my personality. I would uh, lose all the jagged edges and I'd be a bore. <laughs> you are... Your, your background in Jewish values has uh, taken the edge off a lot of arguments, but it's actually sharpened others. And I want to spend some time talking about sex, not in the context of the salacious stuff that gets caught up in the tabloids, but why 
human beings do the things they do in the name of sex and why we don't actually think about it many times the right way. And you've opened my eyes in so many ways to old arguments that actually had lost their potency because they weren't expressed with the vibrant uh, language that you often use. So let's talk a little bit about, about the fact that you guys are sort of an unlikely pair. And so if I can pick on you for a second, besides the fact that you're as sexy as Pamela, God bless her. What That's is his it that, rebel spirit. Yes, what is so it that sexy. attracted two of you together? Well, look, uh, this book is written by uh, two people. One is uh, uh, an author and a public uh, person, and the other is an international sex symbol. And I think that many of the books that Pamela has authored are actually very good. <laughs> what makes us compatible in writing this book? It's, it's astonishing that we actually think in, of humanity in categories, as if Pamela is this uh, sex symbol who would therefore presumably not believe in more traditional sexual mores or relationship mores. And the truth is that we're all the same, and we all kind of want the same thing. We all want passion. We all want intimacy. So we were on the same page from the outset. Uh, she believes in uh, passionate monogamy. She believes in marriage. She talks constantly about her parents' decades-long marriage. It's what she herself probably aspires to. Uh, I'll let her, of course, speak for herself, but I'm talking about, uh, given our conversations on the book, uh, but it doesn't always work out that way, and uh, you, you need a plan B. You try again for another passionate, monogamous relationship. But the idea that we don't want that, the idea that we just want to be uh, casual in our intimate activities with almost anyone, the idea that that Hollywood uh, fiction is actually real for people's desires. It's not true. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants the loneliness. Nobody wants uh, to wake up to a stranger that doesn't know their name. It's just that we think monogamy is a bore. We think that marriage is kind of an institution and no one wants to be institutionalized. So the, the better alternative that she and I both work on in this book and that we promote is a marriage where you can swing from the chandeliers. What happened to marriages that are sinful? What happened to marriages that are erotic? And what happened to marriages that uh, are mysterious? We've lost some of the essential ingredients that could make marriage and sex electrifying. The word sensual comes up a lot in the book. And by the way, it, you know, it's, it's fascinating because you've talked about lust for love, which is the title of the book, Rekindling Intimacy and Passion in Your Relationship. The word love itself sometimes feels tedious to people. It's so valuable, so important to all of us, and yet because of that, it becomes ordinary. But sensuality and lust, those are different, and they're not often interpreted the way you do. Yeah, we both argue and we both feel that the sexual revolution was, was a bust. I mean, if the one, thing, the one thing the sexual revolution was supposed to give us was sex, and it gave us not bad sex, but it gave us non-existent sex. Married couples have sex for seven minutes a, a, a week on national average. Uh, that's an actual statistic. Seven minutes? Yeah, and that's and oh. that's the couple. I always joke, and that includes the time that the husband spends begging. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, that's the, those, those are the couples that are still having sex. Mamet, you and I have talked many times about the sexual famine in America for all the couples who are platonic. One out of three American married couples are not having sex at all. By the way, I do a lot of marital counseling, and usually they're coming because they're arguing or financial uh, disagreements or, or her mother's too involved. Amazingly, 95% of the time, they're also not having sex. They never mention that. Yeah, but maybe they're angry because the mother-in-law is there all the time. That's why they're not having sex. I mean, the, the, the external circumstances could make them not feel like having sex with or each other. Or the mother-in-law is there because they're not having sex. <laughs> or, 
Yeah, this lends itself to too many jokes. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna no, leave the mother law out of this. No, I'll leave it to the audience. I'm gonna say it's all that. So that no, the no, they have, smile. You know, they have this story. This guy who comes to the rabbi and says, "You know, my mother-in-law just died. What's the Jewish law? What do I do with her?" The rabbi said, "I would cremate her, bury her." And, no, 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 it's wrong. No, he says, <laughs> you can cremate her, or you can bury no, her. Or you, you blew and then it he too. Says, and no. then he says, "I want all. I want first. I want her cremated. Then I want her buried. I don't want to take any said, chances." Take no chances. Right. Do all three. Yeah, right. That's right. it. Yeah. Okay. But we totally that's, botched that's it. That we joke. did. We botched it. Okay. <laughs> because we love our mothers. We do. We do. We love our mothers-in-law. So um, you may be right, Lisa. There could be all kinds of reasons, but the main reason is that they have no desire. Desire is lost. I'm a great believer in lust. What happened to cosmic lust? What happened to erotic lust? At its core, sex is not about love. It's not about companionship. It is about sheer, raw, animal lust. And we have so vulgarized lust, and we have so cheapened lust that it is non-existent in our lives. So we must always search for these third-party artificial exterior uh, motivations to create lust. Go to a hotel. Go go to some Mediterranean club med vacation. You want to tell me that the average that the average husband, his wife, takes her clothes off at night, or or vice versa, and he's watching television. What happened to the, the, the that electric magnetism that the body had? And it's almost like we're afraid to ask these questions, or we offer these pat, simplistic response, which is what? You expect lust to really continue after like four or five years? You expect a man who sees the same body, same breast, same genitalia on a, on a nightly basis to still be interested? Absolutely. Since when do we assume that routine and regularity are the enemies of eroticism? The real enemies of eroticism are different things altogether, which is what we get to into this book. I believe, nice and simple, that erotic lust is based on three things. Mystery, unavailability, and sinfulness. And what the, uh, take an iPhone, for example. iPhones are the most successful uh, consumer product ever launched because they had those three elements. We learned to lust after a telephone. Unavailable, you can't buy it when it comes out. Mysterious, Steve Jobs never talked about what he was working on, always kept it mysterious. And finally, sinfulness, this rebellious upstart, Apple, the 1984 television commercial at the Super Bowl, going up against IBM, Big Brother, Think Different, their famous motto. We need rebellious, rebelliousness yeah, and sinfulness. Yeah, but then once you get it, you're really angry with it and hate it. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not okay spokesman for Apple. I, I wish I were. You but, only uh, lust after it until it, then, you, then it freezes on you and, and you still lust after pops it. in and talks <laughs> and to you, and you all the time. Buy it. It's like your spouse yeah. freezes on you. <laughs> <laughs> so the sexual revolution actually undid those three principles. It made sex, A, not unavailable, but widely available, which, which ironically made us lose interest. Secondly, it removed mystery and it made everything uh, overly exposed, which again diminished lust. And finally... I would totally disagree with the losing interest with available sex. Ask any 18-year-old boy. They have not lost, it's available and they have not lost interest. Maybe um, the 50-year-old man, but not the 18-year-old boy. They may have or seek hormonal sex. They're not really interested in the women so much as being pushed by hormones. They're not being drawn to women. They're being pushed by something internal. They're not being pulled from the outside. They're being pushed from the inside. And once those hormones no longer rage, that's when you see these platonic marriages. So um, if I'm wrong that the sexual revolution or, f- say, um, 
uh, pornography and, and, and this kind of openness, has, if I'm wrong, that it has diminished interest? Why is it that on a porn site you have to click one naked woman and 50 other pictures have to suddenly pop up? Or, or so my friends tell me. <laughs> um, why is one woman not enough? Why do we need such vast quantity today? Because we're no longer, boy is no longer interested in womankind. He's only interested in the kind of woman. And that's why you start having this um, uh, standardization of female attractiveness. Women are now having to fit into categories of attractiveness. And they're feeling very bad about their bodies. Take, for example, how much we insist that women have to lose weight, become entirely self-conscious about every calorie they consume. And I'm not talking about for health reasons, the way Mehmet would argue. I'm talking about for appearances. I love going to the great museums of the world. I love the Prado, and I love the Met, and I love the Louvre. And in all of them, the great masters always painted fleshy, curvaceous women. What happened to them? Did the male erotic mind just suddenly change? No, it's simple. Back then, people used to make love with their hands, and to the hands... Meat is neat. But now that we make love with our eyes, to the eyes, thin is in. No, no, We're no. a very visual age. That's pre-Kardashian. Come on. <laughs> you don't get more curvy. And that is the ideal of beauty today. It's not, it's not totally thin, genderless, a non-feminine. Think, think about those Kardashian chicks. Okay, They're good, curvy, good point, right? Good point. I don't know. I think the average male, to Shmuley's point, uh, has this belief uh, that— Thinner is better, but to have, and that may be true or not, but I can almost guarantee women do. You see, women seem to want to get skinnier than the guys around them want them to be. I, I, that's something entirely different. That's about fashion, not about sex. It's all for men. It's all. Yeah, I, I, you <laughs> caught me off guard. I never thought of anything else. I, I, I lost, you mentioned sex, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I got distracted. No, you were you were saying another point. I would, and I'm not a teenage boy, so I don't know for a fact. But you you said that. Um, that this this needing to click multiple women, I think that's biologically driven. The male, the male, if you go back thousands of you know thousands of years and millennia, the male is programmed to inseminate as many women as possible. The man's desire is to multiplicity, not to a single woman. You know, he gets I, trapped into it by sex. Right, and I've debated some of the world's leading evolutionary biologists, uh, Richard Dawkins or great atheists like. Uh, 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 um, help me. Some of the Hitchens, Christopher Chris, Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens, and I. You, you, Harris. you moderate. You, you moderated our, our yeah. debate on the afterlife. Me and Christopher Hitchens. I've heard the argument that men are basically animals who seek to inseminate as many partners as possible. I actually don't believe that to be true. I think men are intimacy seekers. I think the men who are womanizers wake up and suddenly they feel like they've lost their identity. They want something better. Why do they, quote, settle down if, they're, if it's true that marriage is only a social construct and it's nurture rather than nature? How has it persisted in every culture and every religion and every ethnicity throughout the world? Social anthropology would seem to argue against the man as inseminator and much more as the man as the domestic partner. There's a lot more where that came from, but first, a quick break. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease. Hey, uh, Pamela, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just love listening to Shmuley. He gives me hope. Pamela, let me, if I can, ask you about why you picked the sex symbol of Shmuley to work with. And <laughs> what what is it about his beard, his yarmulke, his... <laughs> oh, well, his... I love a good beard. I love a beard. <laughs> so... It... Um, well, it was a funny... Well, I met him a few years ago and he just had the best advice and I told him he should write a book and then he told me he was so surprised about my um, my philosophy that he said I should write a book and we thought well we should write a book together wouldn't that be funny so here it is so share with us a little bit of your advice because again a lot of folks think of your you know playmate actress uh, a woman who in many ways defined by her sexuality you have very interesting views that I think the audience would love to hear on this podcast obviously I've had the blessing of have you on the show. And so I've, I understand some of your wisdom, but it still is remarkable that you could process it this way. I know, isn't that funny? Sometimes, well, you know, there's a lot of perception, I guess, a lot of projection and perception that I'm, you know, people are the way they are because of whatever the media portrays them as, but we're all human beings. And I think we're all intimacy seekers and we're all ultimately happier when we're in love. And I think we're much stronger in pairs. And especially in this time, and we need to remember that because we we have so much that we're facing as a species and as a uh, the world. And and I think that it's nice to have somebody else, somebody there to kind of do the checks and balances with us. And and to do that is hard work, or at least to acknowledge and, and be grateful for that other person instead of this very um, desensitized kind of time where we think we can do it all for ourselves. And and and, and when I, I think I think a lot of these. Um, 
kind of gimmicky, self-helpy things where it was, you know, me, me first. Um, I'm, if I love myself, I can love other people. I think people are ultimately, I think they're, they're more depressed if they can't help others. I think that that is kind of a, an empathy. It's re-looking re, re at empathy and in our relationships, but also in our friendships and the world and, and living life romantically, not just in our relationships. Well, well how, how, when does a strong sexual relationship tip over and become objectification? Well, there's so much access to, you know, imagery and we're imprinting ourselves every day with what we look at, we listen to. And I think we have to just do our own checks and balances with ourselves. And I, I, it's very, I know it's hard to ask somebody else for more attention and it's hard to, um, you know, to say, look, I'm here, I'm a human being and, and you'd rather play with a computer or, you know, these things are difficult to talk about in a relationship. So I think the only thing we can do, the best thing we can do is just monitor ourselves. Is this making me happier? Am I replacing the love in my life with, um, you know, am I on my phone too much? Am I on Instagram too much? Am I filling my Instagram full of temptation and, and people that, you know, sexy imagery that either I can't live up to as a woman or that I'm interested in men. I just, mental fidelity is, oh, is the biggest thing I think that I'm um, smoothly really ingrained in me. And it really made perfect sense because I think I was struggling with this my whole life, but to really just say, okay, I'm responsible for me. That's all I can only control myself. So maybe if I do this, then the other person will do that too. And, and that kind of goes back to what my father used to tell me, you know, a relationship is a mirror. And if you're, if you're okay with the other person doing what you're doing, then do it. But if you're not, then don't do it. You know, you didn't hold, doing it too, kind of thing. Yeah, you didn't hold back in the book about how objectification affected your relationships. How, how were you able to overcome them? How have you evolved in addressing Divorce? them? Divorce. Divorce. <laughs> 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 you know, sometimes that's inevitable and it's a sad situation, but, you know, anytime. But, you know, and I, and I do look back in some of my situations, I probably could have worked through a lot of things, but you can't work through abuse and sometimes narcissism is, 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 in, is not uh, sociopathic behavior. It's a little difficult to deal with too. And I think we all have those traits. You know, we want to, we need to look at that within ourselves. You've got two sons. But, how, how do you talk to your boys about healthy relationships? And they've seen, witnessed some of this in your own life, but they're going to be with well, women best, some days. The, the best thing I've taught them is that you don't put up with abuse. And I've also, you know, tell them if they disrespect women, they disrespect me. Then they go, whoa, okay, mom. You know, they would never disrespect their mom. They'd never disrespect me. And But Brandon had an interesting comeback. He said, well, what if they don't respect themselves? And I, that comes back to, we have to respect ourselves and, and, and just be a good person for that other person and mimic, you know, and try and create good behavior that we can, that we can both have, but you really are only in control of yourself. And like I said, it's difficult to ask somebody else, look at me. You know, I, I, I want you to look at me. I don't want you to be on the computer. I don't want you to be playing video games. I'd rather you be with me. This is such a, it's unattractive too. So this is what's so great about the book. And Shmuley has great advice about this forbiddenness and, and, you know, a little bit of sinfulness and a little bit how to withdraw a little bit, not, not to manipulate, but to just make sure you have your own life and your own interests and how you grow every day and how you stay kind of relevant and, how we stay interesting in a relationship. And, and these are all really great, great, great tips from Smooley, who has, you know, worked with a lot of people in relationships and marriage counseling. You know, I, I wish I knew him a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been trying to help Smooley as much as I can, <laughs> Pamela, but it's full time. So let me, if I can, I want to take this concept into a broader theater because so much of 
how we perceive power in the world and celebrity is based around sensuality, and we're not even aware of it. And I'll give you two examples because you've been in the news a lot about them. You know, Julia Assange and, and, and Putin from, uh, you know, the, the, the head of Russia. And I, I see you have friendships with them, and you probably have insights into how they see the world. Do you think that there's an element of that in their appeal? Oh, well, power, obviously, is a, is a sexy quality. Um, but to use it in, in, in um, positive ways is really important. But confidence, and, you know, especially Julian, he has so much confidence and so much, um, he really he knows what he's doing. He believes in what he's doing. He's, um, he's just on that path, and he's not going to veer from it. And I think that's a very sexy quality. He's also very courageous, which is another um, sexy quality as well. Um, but he's, he's just determined. So, I, yes, of course, it's attractive. Draws people to them, but um, like you said, it's, it's it, you're not going to agree on everything with everybody. But powerful people are definitely sexy, and we just don't want them to take advantage of that. Yeah, and Vladimir Putin may be the most confident man on the planet, and I. But I'm just I'm, I. So I, I see that side of it. I'm just curious as they deal with the the turmoil of being in the eye of the needle. Both of them get a- attacked a lot because they are confident in what they're saying. And they have strong opinions and people disagree with them. But in the middle of all this, there's an interesting, again, I use the word sensuality just because you've been talking about it in the book. But I'm curious if that makes a political leader, Donald Trump, another example. For a lot of people, it may not be the physical embodiment of sensualness, sexuality, (laughs) but there's something that people like, uh, I feel attracted towards, which is part of how how I think about what you and Shpuli are discussing in the book. Do Do you see that? Well, I mean, the confidence is obviously attractive, and and they definitely and, and politics is, you know, like everyone, the John you know, the and the, and um, of course, it's a powerful thing to be able to be a sexual person in politics, or a sexy person to use that. Or, but again, you just you can't take advantage of it. But men are. I mean, I hate to say um, men are men because that's not very good to say. But there's a there's a certain um, rawness and um, maleness, as I like to call it, but, you know, I'd probably get in trouble for that. Um, like I said, there's a femaleness. There's a, it's like a missing piece of the puzzle. It's, you want someone to be strong, and it, it's primitive. It's, it's, it's like these caveman thing. You know, I always wanted a caveman to drag me into a cave, and that's how I was ever going to get married. That's pretty much how it always happened. And it didn't turn out that good. But, um, yeah, so I think that's a, a primitive. It kind of touches something, you know, within us that it feels like, okay, they're, they know what they're doing, or they're, you know, it, 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 sometimes when you feel lost, you want something to gravitate towards. And I think that's even, but, you know, that's with religion, that's with community, that's with all sorts of things, and, and gangs of boy, young kids that are, you know, don't have parents. They, they search for some kind of belongingness. And I think it just it just touches in all of our, all the places that we it, which which even proves our point even more is that we need each other. We need a relationship to so we we don't fall into the trappings of all these other things that could go wrong for us. So Shmuley, just a comment on that, and I'm going to talk about the big idea. Of what makes some of these people who are so prominent worldwide attractive to a lot of folks? And Pam was pointing out the importance of confidence. Uh, it almost makes the process a bit more sensual. That Julian Assange and Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump, they have their truth. They're speaking 
firmly in its defense, and when people criticize them, do they derive benefit from that? Well, I actually see sensuality in a slightly different way. I think sexuality, um, uh, it captures this idea of muscularity and strength and power. And Henry Kissinger famously said that power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. And that's what uh, Pamela's referring to about this, this confidence, which is sexy. But sensuality evokes a certain vulnerability and an ability to show, uh, to not, to be strong enough to show weakness, to be strong enough to evoke forgiveness and, uh, and to work with those who see things very differently to you. Um, yeah, Donald Trump takes it on the chin a heck of a lot, but then he'll suddenly surprise people and uh, he'll show a certain tenderness to parents who've lost children in the terrible Parkland shooting. And people will want him to follow through with, uh, with, with gun restrictions, et cetera. But capture that moment for a second, and, and people don't expect that. And that kind of makes news because we do want to see a certain sensuality in our leaders. I think uh, Putin probably takes a different tack. He Maybe he feels that that, that kind of uh, show of emotion uh, may not play to, to his people. But what we're trying to say, I think, in this book is that the sexual, the raw, the, the muscularity, the, the, flex, the flexing of muscle, it hasn't always worked. And there's a certain sensuality by which men and women connect. And we're not a sensual age. And that means, t- take Pamela, for example. Here you have Pamela speaking, you know, very insightfully about relationships. But she's known to the world as this very beautiful and attractive woman. When we started speaking, I was amazed, uh, you know, intelligence was a given, but, but her insights, what she had learned along the way, because we, we kind of take it for granted that celebrity is a, is a red carpet lifestyle where you're just uh, jet-setting from place to place, but you're not absorbing, you're not processing, you're not filtering. But Pamela was doing all of those things. And I knew that any book that we wrote would be utterly incomplete without the power of her insights. That's a sensual thing, not a sexual thing. And, and our, our our society is not sufficiently sensual. And I think women especially are looking for sensuality. And I think they are more drawn today to the sensual man. There's last more to come after the break. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 
tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So again, the title of the book, Lust for Love, Rekindling Intimacy and Passion in Your Relationship, talking to Pamela Anderson and Rabbi Shmuley Botea. So just to follow up on this theme, because if we're living in a society where we don't have enough sensuality, and then we start talking about becoming best friends, which both of you feel strongly about in the book as a problem. You know, historically, when I was growing up, our political leaders were trying to be our best friends. Now they're not Putin's not trying to be your best friend. I don't think Donald Trump has a best friend. So, you know, it, ironically, it's going the opposite direction. Pamela, it would seem that we're looking for things beyond best friendship. And I wonder why that is. Is it, is it because we have a sexual feminine and we're lusting for love? In a, I mean, of course, you want to be friends, but you want to be wild, passionate lovers, too. That makes us feel alive and creative and, and, and vulnerable and all those wonderful things. Um, I don't, I, I, sometimes I, I joke in my relationship, I say, I'm not your friend. No, I'm not your, I'm not your buddy. I don't want to be spoken to, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in that category in our, in our relationship. I want to be, I want this, you know, I want the romance. I want the, um, to be the girl. And, the, and I, and I do believe, I used to always say, but this is, you know, I used to say, if you were, the more masculine you are, the more feminine I can be. I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I kind of thought the more masculine, but like what Shmuley says, it's, I, I didn't mean exactly caveman, but there has to be a sensuality underlying it because the only way to be a good lover is to be brave and to be vulnerable and to get to know somebody. And I think this is where all these multiple partners and empty experiences and the sexual revolution and friends I know from the 60s who are depressed and uh, they they regret it. They regret regret those experiences because it's, it's, it takes a brave person to fall in love and to peel back the layers and especially with so much access to everything. You don't have to. You don't have to put your heart on a line because you can just swipe left and right or go to another city or get, you know, this world is so small and it's not like it used to be where we have smaller communities and we find somebody and we live in love with them forever, like my parents, for instance. Um, so I think that we have to, we just, you never want that flame to burn out. And there is going to be, you know, ups and downs and you ride the wave of a relationship and there's stressful times and there's times that you be there and, and, be by someone's side and, and the other way around. And, and, but, but to constantly invoke the relationship with fun and sexy things, I think is what makes it exciting. I mean, you want every day to feel like the first day. And I know that's hard to do, but yeah, I mean, I, it, yeah, it is hard to do, but the part of the reason I think it's hard to do, and again, Pam, I'd love your thoughts on this, is because we have a, a, an environment where people get abused by doing the things that make them vulnerable or make them 
uh, feel brave because other people don't see it that way. And then we have, you know, the, the Me Too movement where a, a, a lot of bad stuff is being exposed, but then people don't even know where to draw the line. And especially when it comes to yeah. sexuality and sensuality, when you want a little bit of that animalistic tension in a relationship, it's hard to harness that so perfectly that you never cross the line. And, you know, in, in Sweden, it's very, it's a very progressive place. Well, you know, there's certain things, but there's, you know, you can, if a, you can, you got to be really careful and it's paralyzing. And, and the girls I know from that say, look, men don't first move anymore here. And I said, oh, no, that's terrible because they're so afraid of crossing the line and it's been so ingrained in them not to be aggressive. And, Part of that is okay. I guess we just have to communicate and be communicators and the pendulum will swing. And, you know, I, I, I had to have this conversation with my sons who, who I said, I know you're passionate, romantic boys and you just, you know, you have to be careful. You have to make sure somebody is really, that you're, you're, you're really communicating with someone and you're staying in these relationships and, and being, you know, monogamous and, and, and getting to know that person and finding where those lines are because, you have to be careful. Well, that's a very good point, Mehmet. So let's just delve into this, you know, briefly. I only get through the horrible New York winters uh, through two things. I love skiing. There's like little hills. You can't go to the big mountains near New York. But a fireplace. I love a real fire. Now, if you have a fireplace, you can put as many logs in as you want, and you can burn it to the highest uh, infernal-like heat as long as it's in the fireplace. Sex is the same. You're asking where to draw the lines. The mistake we made in society is that we didn't put sex in the context of a committed relationship where people can be completely sexually liberated to do anything and everything consensual to each other that gave pleasure and that was exciting. Instead, we, we had... All of this in relationships that were undefined. It was not the fireplace. We didn't know how hot could it be. What move could I make? And we killed sex. We killed it. Could you believe that now the perception of men is that men are hormonally driven uh, animals who can't control themselves, who don't know how to respect women? That's bad for men, obviously. And it's bad for women as well for, for them to have this perception. So my argument about marriage and returning to this safe place is not to sanitize sex. It's actually to liberate sex. Let's remember why sex is so pleasurable. Sex is the most pleasurable of all human activities because it is the most liberating. The one thing nobody wants is to be incarcerated. Nobody wants to be jailed. Nobody wants to be restrained. Sex is where you put yourself on autopilot. You surrender to raw animal impulse, and that can only happen when there's intimacy and trust. And purging relationships of those things actually made sex mechanical, too methodical, too predictable, and too scary. And we're having really, really bad sex. And the fact that couples would rather watch TV at night than have sex, go to a movie on a Saturday night than have sex. Sex is 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 really something you kind of watch other people do in an exciting way in some great Hollywood film instead of having it yourself. Um, and it's kind of sad. And and we have to we have to rescue it because it is the glue that actually it's the adhesive that keeps the masculine and the feminine always bent in toward each other, and it's what keeps marriages going. So give me an example of how you create the right kind of mystery for the, when it's in a safe place. And then what does society do when you've, to your point, killed marriage, I'd rather killed sex, because marriage itself isn't what it used to be? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, let me give a very simple answer. 
Our perception, especially because of the the very tragic Me Too actions, um, is that men are out of control, libidinous, hormonal creatures, and women, you know, they love sex too, but not as much. Men are out of control. The truth is women are much sexier than men. They're much more sexually driven than men. They are much more, um, their fantasies are so much more elaborate. It's just that they understand that sex should have an intimate component. So we know from many studies that women have these, wives have these incredible fantasies about strangers, about other men, but the average wife would never disclose those fantasies to her husband. She will sanitize her fantasy libido because she wants to never hurt her husband. She doesn't know if his frail, fragile, masculine ego can handle it. So one of the things I first advocate is, and, and, and uh, Pam uh, uh, alluded to this, is a sinful marriage. That doesn't mean adultery ever, because adultery is is uh, devastatingly um, uh, 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 it's so painful and it's so dishonest and it's so immoral. But wives should be revealing their sexual fantasies to their husbands and husbands should create that safe space where they can, where a woman's full libido could be on full display. So you now have the husband who has to pursue his wife sexually in order to fully retain her again because she can't be fully possessed because a woman's libido is, is it's, a, it's a whole universe. Take, for example, that in the Hebrew language, we don't have a word for wife. The word is woman. It's, you know, Sarah is the woman of Abraham and Rebecca is the woman woman of Isaac and Rachel is the woman of Jacob because you never really marry. You never fully become a wife. And yet women today are playing this, this charade where they're trying to show their husband, oh, I'm only into you, et cetera, et cetera. It's not true. We choose to be monogamous. That's a beautiful thing. But in terms of the need to be, to be pursued and chased and seduced uh, on the 20th year of your marriage, as in the 20th date, is still ever-present, and we forget that. Well, actually, why can't they be called a wife? Why don't they ever become a wife? Because the, the wife means that you now belong to someone, and you belong, and, and, and you, you're naturally, you naturally fit into the exclusivity of a monogamous relationship. And for no woman is that true. Women have an incredible libido, and their husbands have to satisfy it constantly by understanding just how sexual they really are, as opposed to the Victorian sanitized model that we have today, where we're looking at the guys as being so crazy about sex, and the women, yeah, they kind of like it too, but not as much as men. That's a, that's a lie. Pamela, do you agree? I agree. I agree. I think it's important for you know, men, men to understand that they need to pursue their wife or their woman, whatever you want to call it, them, um, <laughs> constantly. Because there's some great examples in the book, too, that Shmuley points out in some of his counseling sessions where, you know, a, a woman was, is not getting any attention from her husband and she finds herself, you know, somebody at a grocery store, you know, um, saying something about her nails and her getting her nails done and going to that grocery store a lot. You know, simple, simple, tiny things like that. We all want to be pursued and, and admired and, and we have to keep doing that in relationships or we lose them. Pamela, when, when was the epiphany in your life? When did you realize that that you needed to change the way you perceived yourself in relationships? Who, me? Yes. Me? Little old you. Uh, well, well I, it's, you know, my, I, had, I was raised by wonderful, wild, fun women. You know, my mother is very colorful, my great aunt, my auntie Vi, um, always setting the table, always having such a beautiful experience when you went to their house. And it wasn't about money or anything. It was just about living a very uh, a beautiful life with what we have. And we talked a lot. And Really, and so I really, that's why I feel, and when I see some of these girls, and I, I know I've been in relationships where people have had daughters, and, 
and I've, I've met people's daughters, and I feel like I want to be that person in their life where I can show them you can have fun, you can be sexy, you can be a good mom, you can have a great career. And, you know, you have to just be lighthearted about a lot of it and just have fun with it. And to be, to be an example in these people's lives was important to me because I had that. So I knew from a very young age, I had things when I was young that were very traumatic to me sexually. And I found with Playboy, I took my power back in a big way. And I look back and I see how I did that. I didn't realize in the moment I was trying to overcome this painful shyness that was, you know, ingrained in me that was just paralyzing. I hated it, the shyness. And I think also really talks about sharing your fantasies. I think a lot of women read uh, erotica and just get that language in there and their, and start writing stories and, and writing poetry and, and just because you can start talking like that or speaking like that, not in an explicit, explicit way, but just to get those romantic words in your mouth and, and just to, and you never regret it. You never fail. Even if you fail, it's funny and it's sexy. So it's just being brave enough to be, if I would say, if somebody else can do it, I can do it. If somebody else has done it, I can do it. So this is, you know, I think we just need to push ourselves a little bit more and be more creative and have, have fun with life. Well, and let me just add, uh, that's the passionate component, the sinful component. The intimate component is as important because our, our book is all about passion and intimacy. Eyes open sex, one of the hardest things that a couple can do. When we make love, studies show that 90% of women cannot climax unless they close their eyes. And the joke is that Jewish women close their eyes because, God forbid, they should see their husbands having a good time. But um, (laughs) sorry for all the Jewish people out there. But um, we close our eyes for the same reason that we look at the numbers on an elevator as we go to, like, the 10th floor. What did you think? I mean, you had a watch, six, seven, eight, nine. Did you think the elevator was going to take a left turn and you're going to end up in Topeka? You know, we, we look at the numbers because we're in too confined a space. It's too intimate. And we don't want a stranger peering into our soul. But when you make love to your spouse or the person that you're living with, even then you close your eyes. You don't want someone to peer into your soul. It's so much easier to get physically naked than it is to get emotionally naked. So we close our eyes because it's too honest. That's how distant we are, even when we're flesh pressed against flesh and bone of one bone. Eyes open sex is electrifying, and you can actually feel a current that passes between the two of you. It takes a lot of practice because it's, it's, so, uh, it's so raw. It's so naked. But what it does is it leads not just to, the, to the, the, the orchestration of two halves as a whole physically, but the orchestration of two halves as a whole spiritually. And yet couples don't even do these things. And there's so many exercises that could lead to this, this passionate electric charge that we deny ourselves. And by the way, turn the television off. <laughs> While you're making love, him watching and thinking, but I haven't seen this episode of Homeland. It just doesn't, you know. <laughs> Pamela Anderson, Rabbi Shmuley Bote, on that note, thank you very much. The beautiful book, Lust for Love, uh, is out. Just pick it up, share it. Uh, don't read it while you're having sex, but <laughs> perisexual. God bless you both. Thank you. Thank you.
You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.